After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Beth, Beth and Bethany, at the place called Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples, saying, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter, it will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the, the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shut up. So let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. Oh God, fill us up this day with your love that we might be emptied of anything that gets in the way of that love. Um, Humble us when we need to be humbled. Lift us up when we need to be lifted up. Bring us kind of face to face with you and our neighbors and friends and even strangers. Not higher, not lower but walking side by side in this world as we move into Holy Week and help us to hear some truth and some wisdom and some knowledge from the Word this day. Amen. And again from that text that Pete read, Then the disciples brought a young donkey to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, They set Jesus upon it. His name was Babe. Babe. Even though his given Christian name was actually James Francis. But to me, he was just Uncle Babe. My father's little brother and one of my absolute favorite relatives. Now, I loved Babe not because he was some high-powered Boston mover and shaker. No, He was born and lived in Dorchester most of his life in a house nestled among the three deckers of that urban Irish neighborhood. He was not very notable for his profession. He worked at New England Telephone as a technician for his whole career. Nor was he an angel either. Babe was known to occasionally take bets from the neighbors And at one time, he owned an infamous rock and roll nightclub on the South Shore called the Ranch House that his neighbors in Marshfield dismissively nicknamed the Ranch House. (laughs) And yet, Babe was one of the most humble men I've ever known. Humble. He was quiet, soft-spoken. I never heard him utter a bad word about anyone or really speak in judgmental tones about anyone. He was generous to a fault. 
He made sure that I and my brother and father went to a Patriots game every single year. He visited his mom, my Nana, every single week and with his brothers made sure that she was well cared for and lacked for nothing until the end of her life. He raised three solid kids, my cousins, who, like their dad, are quick to compliment and slow to anger and just as comfortable with Marty Walsh, who also lived in the neighborhood, as the mailman who came by each day. And Babe was seemingly friends with everyone in Boston, with everyone, with the cops and the firefighters and the widows on the street and the telephone linemen. But you would not have known it if you saw him on the street sporting his scally cap and a gentle smile. You know someone like Babe, right? We all do. That rare, humble soul, down to earth, a person who does for others but doesn't make a big deal out of it, a friend who by worldly standards is not high-powered or all in love with themselves, but does in fact every single day make the world better and brighter Faithfully, often anonymously, a neighbor or a relative who lives a good life, yet does not insist upon reminding everyone else of that truth. A man or a woman who knows that they are just another passenger on the bus called human life. Humble, humility, a sometimes rare human virtue and trait, and a godly virtue too. But here's an irony in Babe's death in 2003 when he was laid to rest in our family road in a long line of cars from Dorchester to the cemetery in Milton. We pulled onto I-93 only to see that the state police had shut down that major highway for a full half mile in both directions to ensure a smooth path for Babe's final earthly trip, his final parade, if you will, all for just a humble kid from the city. A parade and a procession for that most humble of souls. A parade for someone who no doubt would have said, please, no, parades. That's an image I kept returning to as I read over today's familiar Palm Sunday passage. The story of Jesus' seemingly triumphant entry into Jerusalem about a week or so before his trial and his death. As Christians now 2,000 years removed from the day, the tradition that we have developed around this procession is that it was big and loud and this boisterous public display of victory for Jesus Christ with scores of folks lining his path, cheering and waving palms. Jesus' duck boat moment, his championship route around that city. In Boston, we who are sports fans have gotten used to such over-the-top public displays of winning, of boasting, of bragging that we are absolutely number one. I went to the Red Sox opening day at Fenway this week, and that vibe was all over the place. The players received their diamond-encrusted World Series rings for their championship run last year. The Boston Pops Orchestra played along with the Tanglewood Chorus. The largest American flag I've ever seen covered the entire green monster wall in red, white, and blue. And then the game started, and man, were the Red Sox awful. They were completely and totally humbled. They were brought right back down to earth. They got their backsides kicked, their hats handed to them, 
losing a really sloppy game on a frigid and misty April day. They were humbled. Because, friends, that's what life does so often. Maybe we get cocky or we get comfy or we get a little bit too sure of ourselves or we just start to coast. And then we get humbled. Right? Humbled. Now, back to that ancient parade, it actually was not much of a duck boat day. I mean, a real king doesn't ride a donkey. A donkey? The lowest of budget transportation in those days, kind of like an ancient sputtering Volkswagen Beetle. Seriously? And according to Luke's story, the multitude was mostly just the disciples and perhaps a handful of people. And no waving palms are mentioned in this version of the story. And the road is not lined with flowers or garlands, but instead with the torn and worn and dusty cloaks of the parade spectators. It was a pretty humble parade for a pretty humble guy, a pretty humble God, God incarnate in this mystical prophet and teacher from Bethlehem and Nazareth, who lived an anonymous life with his parents up to the age of 30, who never traveled more than 30 miles or so away from his home, who counted as his close friends, not the powerful or the pompous or the politicians, but instead the lepers and the prostitutes and the IRS agents and the poor and the hungry and the rejected and the invisible. Jesus, who on the Thursday after that parade would not have a lavish going away banquet with rich food and with rich guests, well-connected, but instead hosted a simple Passover meal, followed by Jesus Christ kneeling, kneeling in front of his friends, and then washing their dirty feet as his final teaching about the nature of humbly serving others in the name of God. God in Jesus, who would be tried for treason in front of folks who had once cheered for him, and who was stripped and tried and sentenced to death, a final ignominious death with thieves on his left and right, and all of his friends, almost all of them, gone, scattered, terrified, afraid. Friends, that is our humble God. That is our humble Savior. That is our humble legacy, too, as Christians. Humility as the true heart of who Jesus was, the true heart perhaps of our call as Christians these days to embody this humility as his followers in these often but anything but humble days that we live in. Days when we are too often led as citizens by the proud and the strutting and peacock-like leaders who insist upon reminding us on a regular basis of just how wonderful they are. Days when the cultural norm is to congratulate oneself regularly, to do a victory dance on the ball field or on the stage, to pat yourself on the back before anyone else has the chance to do so. But friends, such cultural braggadocio has always been the norm, the temptation for we humans. Pride. Pride that always goes before the fall, pride that makes us think that we can just do it all by ourselves. We 
do not need anyone else. We certainly do not need God or pride that comes from an inner sense of deep insecurity and tempts us to overcompensate. Pride that is just so human. Just so human. I know I am very guilty of this because it's hard to be humble, to put others before self, to go last and not first, to kneel and not soar, to give away and not hold on to our love or our money or our power or our time. In the parade called human life, humility, true humility, a true view of oneself, not being downsized, not being upsized, but instead being, in the words of Alcoholics Anonymous, right-sized, right-sized before God and before others and before life. Friends, it takes discipline and it takes intentionality to be humble. But I believe this is the life that our humble God and our humble Savior invite us to live, and not just in Holy Week, but in all weeks, to be a people of that most humble of sacred symbols, the cross, the cross, upon which Jesus freely poured himself out for love, for us, for this world, to remind us of the goodness and the gift of sacrificing for others, of living life for others and not just self alone. Now that may not get us a parade, but I believe it will give us a great life in the greatest sense in the truest sense. As the author C.S. Lewis wrote, as long as you are overly proud, you cannot really know God. A proud man or woman is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you, God. So break out the donkeys. Spread the coats on the road. Start waving the palms. Our humble week and our holy week calls out to us. And yes, guaranteed next Sunday there will be an Easter parade to end all parades. But first, our humble God and humble teacher asks us to ride along right there with him on a lowly donkey into the city. And always with humility. Humility. Let all God's people say, Amen.